Good day, gentlemen. Keith says, good morning, Douglas, and all of your listeners remembering what day it is. What day is it? Well, two things come to mind. First of all, is this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice, be glad in it. It's a good day. It's also Friday, which means we are here Fridays with the fellows. We're talking manhood, wisdom. Glad that you could join us. Hey, Lewis. So as we talk about manhood and men, we're going to get into Proverbs and wisdom. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything more fundamental for manhood than the desire to play and to win? Let me ask it this way. Go back to the first two boys, Cain and Abel. Now, we know how that story ends. You've got Cain killing Abel, right? But think back to when they were six, seven. Is there any doubt in your mind whatsoever that Cain and Abel didn't race that they didn't wrestle, they didn't find some piece of fruit or something and play catch with it, throw it at each other, throw it at trees to see who could hit the mark. You know what I'm talking about? Is there there anything more core to us as men than the joy and the the fun of, of playing those kinds of childish games, if you will? Really, I mean, if you think back to Cain and Abel as boys, wouldn't you bet your house that if you could watch a video, if you could fly in and around on a drone and watch them growing up, that they 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 had a contest to see who could get to that uh, that side of the field fastest? It's what we do as men. Go to any recess playground, just get a bunch of boys together in any setting. It's what we do. And the joy, the, the satisfaction, the laughter of those kind of races and competitions and wrestling and, and so on. It, there's just, it's one of the most natural things in the world. Now, this isn't, uh, what I'm about to say is not completely related to, uh, to the proverb here, but I think it's somewhat sad that we lose that. Seems like our culture is stifling it. Kids are not allowed to be kids. Boys are not allowed to be boys. We either drug them up or discipline them so harshly or discipline them for the wrong things. Instead of encouraging boys to be boys, that competitive spirit, that playful spirit, we want to encourage that. Yeah, it needs to be shaped and and disciplined in, in the correct way, but certainly never stifled. And, and I wonder, there's a lot of dour men that I see in the world. Christians, dour. Little joy, little life, little playfulness. And I just wonder if that's what has stolen that joy. Yeah, again, we need to we need to grow up to some degree, <laughs> although as has been said, getting older is not optional, but uh, growing up is. There's a there's a part of that joy and competitiveness that we that we all have and we we need maybe to find a little more of it. All right. Well, so I have a purpose in all this other than just talking about boys. 
Here's the proverb, Proverb 10, 23, the first one we're going to look at. Carrying out a wicked scheme is enjoyable to a fool. And so is wisdom for the one who has discernment. All right, let me say it again. Carrying out a wicked scheme is enjoyable to a fool. And so is wisdom for the one who has discernment. Now, if you read the uh, New American Standard and um, maybe some other translations do the same thing, the word that's translated enjoyable here in the NET is uh, like sport. Carrying out a wicked scheme is like sport to a fool. That's the Hebrew word. It's that playfulness, that sport, that competitiveness that every little boy has. So Solomon looks out at the world in his wisdom that God has given him as he observes all things. And he says, when the wicked do wicked things, when they plot out wickedness and pursue it, it's like a sport. It's like a game. They get the same kind of joy from their wickedness as the one brother gets from outrunning his other brother or a neighborhood friend, the joy he gets from uh, beating his, uh, his neighborhood friend in a game of pick-me-up basketball. Now think about that for a minute. Think about wickedness and debauchery. This, this word for a wicked scheme, it's, a, it's planned. Uh, it, it's a word that describes pursuing something with, with intention and design. So these wicked people are pursuing wicked things on purpose with a, a well-developed plan. And it's like a, an offensive coordinator coordinating, uh, drawing up all these plays to try to beat the other team's defense in football and succeeding and the, the joy that comes from that plan being executed well. That, that's what he's talking about. Wicked do this. And this word, uh, the, the scheming, the wicked scheming, is used uh, many other places in the, uh, in the scripture for uh, lots and lots of sexual sin. All the debauched, licentious sins. Uh, the, the, the noun form of this word is used to describe all those things. Incest, adultery, fornication, um, uh, well, just just almost every sexual sin you can think of, but also murder and idolatry and, and corruption, stealing, all those kind of things. So think of wicked people in our day. I, I, I think I speak about this fairly often, but it's just so obvious. It's, it's the illustration that everybody can see firsthand. Our governmental leaders more and more and more stuff is coming out about our president and his family, but it's not just him. Those that are uh, scheming, it seems, to protect him and the injustice of it all. It's just, there's so much wickedness and it's planned. And the thing is, the folks who do this, and, and that's just the, I'm just using that as an obvious example because it's out there in the public for everybody to see. But this uh, certainly manifests all over the place in, in a variety of situations. 
more local, you know, to you even, people that you know, maybe in your business, maybe in school systems, maybe in your city or whatever, companies, corporations. It's not mental illness. We, I think we have been, well, we have to be careful as Christians not to buy in to the mental illness fad. Maybe it's not a fad anymore. When people do awful things be, in an atheistic evolutionary culture, the only explanation is they're sick. They have a mental illness. No, I, I'm sure that it happens now and then. There are brains that don't actually work, but the Bible doesn't talk about mental illness. But it does talk about the fool and the wicked. The uh, the debauched men in their pride parades in June doing things that if a heterosexual man would do would get him arrested for indecency and decent exposure and child molestation, that kind of thing. But if he does it in the pride parade, it's celebrated, applauded, put on video for all to see everywhere, right? Well, those, those debauched people are not mentally ill. They have plotted and schemed and they find the same kind of joy in doing their wickedness as the quarterback who executes a perfect play and throws the winning touchdown. They love it. They derive great satisfaction from it. It's wicked, it's corrupt, but they like it. So don't get sucked into the, uh, the lies that people are mentally ill, that kind of thing, when they do debauched things. But here's the flip side for you and me. So for the fool, their wicked scheming and planning is like sport, it's enjoyable, so is wisdom for the one who has discernment. So, are you wise? Do you make wise decisions? Acting out those wise decisions, plotting your wise approach to things, and then acting on it ought to bring you the same joy as throwing that winning touchdown, as beating your little brother in a race or your older brother in a race? Do you take joy in your accomplishments, in exercising wisdom? Maybe it's one of the things that uh, we've seen in Proverbs and we're going to see again and again and again. It's hard work and saving up money, building wealth, making good financial decisions. When you do that, celebrate it. Right? Have your end zone celebration. Spike the ball. That's a great thing. I think one of the things that Christians uh, maybe don't um, uh, do as much as we ought to is celebrate victories and successes, your own and those of others. You set some goals. I'm going to I'm going to lose 40 pounds. I'm going to, I'm going to build this much wealth this year. I'm going to, I'm going to deny myself these things and save this much or invest this much, or I'm going to, uh, uh, add income do a side hustle kind of thing, add income so I can buy a car, whatever. Celebrate those. That's wisdom. 
and all the other things that we talk about here. It should bring you joy. It's not, uh, it's not denying God's grace. It's not becoming prideful. Uh, it, it's not uh, thinking too highly of yourself. To exercise wisdom the way God tells us to live life and then reap the benefits of living life the way God tells us to, to lead it and then enjoying it and celebrating it. That's not wrong. That's right. It's good. I don't know. May, uh, we can just get weighed down with worry so much and so heavy that we don't enjoy life. Dale says it's a sad day when an older brother loses a race. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then he goes back and wins the next time and he gets to celebrate, right? I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I just think this kind of joy and celebration and accomplishing things because we're doing things the right way, that's a good thing. You, you think of a young couple uh, saving up to buy a house. Throw a big party. If they were wise in how they handled their money to buy the house, then throw a big party and celebrate this. At least they ought to feel that joy. Isn't it, I find it, I don't know, something wrong with this, that the wicked so freely flaunt their successes. They, they're winning the game and they're celebrating their debauchery. And so many Christians who have God's wisdom, we have this book of wisdom, we apply it, things work out well. God blesses us because he blesses wisdom and we're afraid to celebrate those things the way the wicked celebrate. That, that's just, that's upside down to me. All right, let's get on to the next one. What the wicked fears will come on him. What the wicked fears will come on him. What the righteous desire will be granted. Again, you see the, the, the two poles here. The wicked, as they're celebrating, as they're winning, there's also this voice in the back of their head telling them, you know you're going to get caught. You know you're not going to be able to pull this off forever. You know that someday you're going to be exposed and all your dealings under the table that has made you rich and powerful, it's all going to come crashing down. What you fear being exposed, you're a drug addict son leaving his uh, laptop at a repair shop, this network of corruption you've created, it's, it's all going to come upon you. It's going to be exposed. And then the game is not so fun anymore. So that's one side. The other side, Solomon says, what the righteous desire will be granted. Do you live life with that expectation? Guys, we are discouraged from pursuing a godly life from every corner. And, and we have to define godly, did I say godly wife? Godly life. Did I say that backwards? Anyway, I say that wrong. Um, we have to define godly life. As I've said before, I'm going to keep saying, it's not about sitting in your 
prayer closet and having a quiet time or going to a, a service on Sunday morning. That's, that's not godliness. It's living life rightly. Obedience. Trusting the Lord. Walking in the Spirit, of which the first one is love. It's not, dare I say it, Bible study. It's not quiet time. The first fruit of the Spirit is love, love for others. So what's the second one? Joy. When the Spirit's at work, you're a joyful person. Do we live lives full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, expecting God to bless us? Solomon says, the wicked, what he fears will come upon him, but the, what the righteous desire, it'll be granted. God is not a stingy, harsh, overbearing God just waiting for you to slip up so he can let you have it. You're not a worm. You're not a, a slug. Your righteousness is not filthy rags. If you're a Christian, your heart is not desperately wicked beyond all things. It's not deceived. You have a new heart that God put in your body, so to speak. <laughs> you have a new heart that wants to please God. He is a generous, kind, loving God who loves to heap blessing on his people. He wants us to walk and live in faith. And the righteous should expect their desires to be granted. Now, as I say almost every week, these are proverbs. These are generally true. There are exceptions. God always has the right to take your life a different way or take this season of your life a different way and, and test your faith and, and bring you to, through hard things. That happens for all of us. But by and large, generally speaking, the way God works in the world is if you are pursuing righteousness as he defines it, if you're making wise choices, you should expect the desires of your heart to be granted. He loves to give good gifts to his children, as every good father does. I think he probably gives you far more gifts than you realize because you're not looking for it. Be full of joy and hope and expectation and faith. God loves to bless his people. All right, one more. This is uh, 1025. When the storm passes, the wicked are swept away. When the storm passes through, the wicked are swept away. But the righteous are an everlasting foundation. Uh, storm is used again and again for God's justice and judgment and punishment. Uh, read Psalm 29. David there marveling the storm. Uh, we have here in Colorado, we have some amazing thunderstorms. And I don't know if it's because of our altitude, the air density or what, but it just seems more intense than where I grew up in Missouri. And you see far off in the distance, up maybe up against the mountains or out in the plains, you see uh, lightning crashing down and it's powerful. And, you know, there's a sense in which we live in our houses and we are protected and, and you don't hear about a lot of people dying from thunder and lightning storms kind of thing as much anymore. So we're sort of, I don't know, immune to its power, but there are occasions, aren't they, when you're out in it? What happens here a lot is people go hiking in the mountains and a, 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 a seasoned hiker knows you get off the mountain by noon or so because we 
very often have afternoon thunderstorms come in and that's when the lightning is flying. So you want to be off that mountain before that comes in. So you get out early, you know, four o'clock in the morning, get out, get up and get down and then uh, stay off the mountain when the storms are there because God's displaying his power in those storms. Well, this proverb, Solomon says, when the storm comes through, the wicked are swept away. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ reigning over heaven and earth today is judging the corrupt, debauched, wicked people? Or have we become deists who think that when bad things happen to bad people, it's just the way things are? Are you afraid to let your mind believe that God is pouring out his wrath even right now on wicked people? And when bad things happen to them, that's the storm passing through? We, we tend to think so much of final judgment, right? The, the last day, so to speak, that we forget the Bible talks an awful lot about the current day. And Jesus reigning in justice. He is crushing the nations with a rod of iron. What does that mean? It means he's exposing and punishing evildoers. Disease, judicial, uh, civil punishment, exposure and shame and embarrassment and mockery, poverty. All, he's doing it. And they're not going to stand. The wicked don't stand when his storm comes through. On the other hand, the righteous are an everlasting foundation. Are you righteous? Are you pursuing right things? Do you obey the Lord Jesus? Do you love to do what he commands you to do? Then you have nothing to fear when the storm comes through, do you? nothing to fear. We're on a solid foundation. We build our house on the rock and we survive the storm. But if we build it on shifting sand, it's going to be blown away. Brothers, the world needs you. The church needs you. Your family needs you to make wise decisions and enjoy the fruit of those wise decisions. Don't be a fool. Be wise. And then spike the football when you score a touchdown in your wisdom. Expect God to grant your desires if you're pursuing righteousness. And live in faith knowing you're on a foundation that cannot be moved. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's good. Truth is not relative says, I fear that God is about to pour out judgment on America. Yeah, and you have good reason for that fear. On the other hand, on the other hand, there are a lot of righteous people in this land. Is it possible that the Lord is currently exposing 
wicked leaders, wicked behavior at the high levels of government and cultural influence, Hollywood, et cetera, et cetera. And that he's judging them in righteousness and he's going to remove them, bring the storm through so that we can flourish. That's what I'm praying for. And I see evidence of that. Now, I don't know the future any more than you do, but it may not be that he's going to take America out. It may be that he's going to remove the wicked so we can thrive. Pray for that. I do. Uh, McRitt says, a mighty fortress is our God indeed. And that is such a great hope, isn't it? All right, guys. So give this some thought and enjoy God's goodness as you pursue wisdom. Have a great weekend. We will see you next week, Lord willing. Take care.